This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast. And remember, the Mike Francesa Podcast is featured on Bet on the Bet Rivers. Uh, network and remember for all your gambling needs in new york it's bet rivers in new jersey and connecticut it is play sugar house so again that's for all your wagering needs and we will be doing a lot of stuff with football on the bet rivers network coming up uh, in early september and we'll tell you about that as we get later into august all right the subway series Round one is in the books, and obviously it was all Mets. Uh, I went to the game Tuesday night. Uh, it was a it was a Subway Series scene, as I expected. Sold out, a lot of intensity, fans into it. Um, those games, as I said, are always great. I think they miss the mark whenever they don't play six in a year and they only play four this year, only playing four, two at Yankee Stadium starting on August uh, 22nd uh, because there's a lot there. Now, this year, both teams are in first place and in first place late in the season. So, uh, you know, 100 games into the season. So uh, that hasn't happened before. So it really gave the teams, especially the Mets, a chance to measure themselves against the Yankees, who have been so celebrated all year, who have had the you know very gaudy record all year, and so much is expected from the Yankee juggernaut this year. And uh, the Mets got to bang heads with it for two days and came away winners. And it's funny, the first inning of the game Tuesday night was so important to the Mets because the Yankees came in and flexed their muscle the way they do, hitting home runs, which is what the Yankees do. And they have their two big home run hitters with Stanton out of the lineup, two of the three, hit home runs as Judge and Rizzo go back-to-back. And the biggest out in that game was with the bases loaded, Rizzo almost took it out of the park in left center field Nemo caught it against the center field fence. Uh, the base is loaded. He thought he got it. He went on a 3-0 pitch, and he didn't get it out of the park, and really that was the end of the rallies for the evening for the most part. Um, uh, that was the end of the offense. But the Mets bounced back with a very big bottom of the first, getting big home runs from Marte and Escobar, putting up a four spot and answering that two runs right away, not letting it sit on the board, not letting it sit on the board for five or six innings as the Mets can often struggle to do score runs. Nope, they came right back, fired right away, put four up in the inning, put the home runs on the board of their own, and and went on to a victory with uh, Diaz uh, coming up with a big performance, obviously uh, striking out 
four batters in the uh, you know extra little little bigger you know save than normal having been brought in in the eighth inning um, last night they get exactly what they expect out of Scherzer. He almost toyed with the Yankees last night. He didn't overpower them. The Yankees hit a lot of long fly balls. They uh, Scherzer used the ballpark. The Yankees hit a lot of balls squarely, but they didn't get on the board. They didn't get the hit they needed when there were men on base against Scherzer. He made the pitch he had to make, and all night he obviously made the pitches he needed as he won his battles with Judge. And all, all evening, both evenings, there was an enormous buzz in the building whenever Judge stepped in the batter's box. Uh, because a lot of times there were men on base like ninth inning on Tuesday night, uh, last night, uh, and, you know, every at-bat with him is so pivotal. So there was such an intensity whenever he was in the batter's box that it really added uh, to the event in, in a very big way. But the Mets could have easily collapsed last night. After Scherzer leaves, they give up a walk and a homer, and now the Yankees are right back, and you think, oh, boy, the Yankees are going to not only turn this game around, they're going to win this game, they're going to split the series, and everything the Mets look like they had is going to go right down the drain. Well, it didn't happen. Mets got a very good performance out of Lugo, and the Yankees, who went an inning with Holmes, only went an inning with Holmes and lost the game to the Mets on the... Escobar double, and then the Marte single after the Nimmo infield hit. So the Mets win both games. And for them, it really gives them a chance to puff out their chest a little bit. It also allowed them to take a real serious look at where they are. They have now moved four games up on Atlanta because Atlanta has come back to earth in the last couple of days. So now they're up four games, three overall, but four in the loss column on the Braves. They've opened their lead a little bit on Atlanta. Atlanta's finally cooled off a little bit. And they got a chance to show that they could stand toe-to-toe with the big bad Yankees. So the question now is, after phase one of the Subway Series, it will reconvene in the later days of August. But now the question is how each team views itself heading towards the trade deadline on August 2nd. The Yankees clearly with a need to pitching, but the first move was last night, and I'm sure you've seen it, the Yankees got Benintendi for three pitching prospects. That gives the Yankees some depth in the outfield. But also, it gives them a little bit of a logjam come the postseason. Right now, there's no issue because Stanton's out, and he'll probably be out for the better part of three weeks to a month. But come postseason, Stanton's going to be in that lineup. And if you want to 
get Carpenter into that lineup. Now, Carpenter wasn't great the two games here, but that's okay. But if you want to get Carpenter into that lineup, somebody has to sit. That's not even counting Hicks. You're making him the fourth outfielder and making him a defensive replacement late in the game for either uh, Stanton or Carpenter if they're in the game. It relegates Gallo probably the status of being somewhere else very soon. And that will be the best thing for him. Let him go somewhere where he can play every day and he'll, you know, he'll do what he does. And it'll take some pressure off him. But the Yankees now, if they are at full tilt in the playoffs and they have Stanton, well, Benintendi or Carpenter doesn't play. You know LeMayu's going to play. If Donaldson's here, he's going to play. He also plays a very good third base. So he's going to play. So the question is, if Benintendi's in the lineup, and he probably will be, Carpenter's going to have to force himself back into this lineup And that's going to be tough to do. He might have to be a pinch hitter in the postseason. But they'll worry about that in the days to come. Right now with Stanton out, Benintendi gives them better defense and gives them another reliable bat, a guy who can get on base, a guy who's a good left-handed hitter, not a power hitter for the most part, but a guy who does hit for average and get on base. So the Yankees make the move for Benatendi, but they need pitching. The Yankees are four and six last ten. They're ten and twelve last twenty-two, and they have to replace King, who is an enormous loss in that bullpen. King had a big role in that bullpen. That's a big loss, and they need to bolster their starting pitching. Will they get Castillo from the Reds? Castillo's going to be traded. The Reds are are basically opening up their roster to everybody. That is the news everywhere, is that the Reds are open for business. And the Mets are going to be shopping for a relief pitcher. They're also going to be shopping for another bat. I think they will get both. I don't think either the Yankees or the Mets will be deep into the Soho thing. I don't think they, the, the Soho thing, I don't think they will be. I think Soto will wind up more likely in San Diego or St. Louis. Everyone makes San Diego the favorite for Soto. Uh, And the Yankees clearly need pitching, and I expect them to go very hard after the Reds pitcher who has been a very consistent pitcher and would be a good fit. Because he's capable and he's consistent. Now, if you're a Yankee fan, you're going to say, "Ah, oh, they beat Montgomery and they, you know, they hit Montgomery and, you know, who cares about Erman? Well, that's fine. But the bottom line is the Yankees aren't very deep in their starting pitching right now. They got a one-two punch that you can trust, although I have never been the biggest Cole fan, as you know. And they clearly need a big reliever to replace King, and the Mets will be shopping for that same reliever, so they're going to be in business against each other for that relief pitcher without any question. 
Now, the Mets are about to uh, bring DeGrom back to the majors. Hey, let DeGrom show you what he is. Forget all the rumors about the velocity. Forget all the rumors that he's hurt. Forget all the rumors about everything. Let's see how he pitches. We'll judge it on how he does against major league batters. That's what we were going to judge all along. Don't worry about what he did in the minor leagues. Don't worry about what you hear about he's hurt or the velocity's down or this is wrong and that's wrong. Hey, you don't know. I don't know. And the Mets don't know. And maybe even the Grom doesn't know what the result's going to be here. So let it unfold. You saw what you saw with Scherzer's worth, which is his weight in gold. He's everything you want in a big game pitcher. He's everything you want in ace. He's everything you want in a pitching leader. He's he's the whole whole deal. He leads. He leads verbally. He leads by example, and he steps up in the big spot. That's a, that's an ace. Cole has never proven that he can be what Scherzer already is. I need to see that out of Cole. Hey, the Yankees are a very talented team. We know that. But they were never a perfect team this year. We kept telling you that all along. Houston is every bit as good, if not better. Dodgers are every bit as good, if not better. And the Yankees need to improve their team. Now, they took a step in Benatendi, I agree, but they need pitching. And coming off that, two games to the Mets, which means a lot more to the Mets on the plus side than it does to the Yankees on the negative side. The Yankees will have forgotten those two games. They probably already have. It'll mean a lot more to the Mets' psyche. It will be a big positive for them. It's great for their fans. A lot of people became believers in this team in the last couple of days because of the way they played the Yankees. That's another positive. So every way you look at it, it was a positive couple of days for the Mets. Does it mean all that much? No, but you know what? It makes this group believe in itself. And I'm sure it has still collectively had question marks. And it should. As an event, it's what it's always been. That's why I've been the biggest proponent of it. Hey, you're telling me it isn't good for this city and isn't good for baseball and it isn't good for these two teams to have basically two sellout wildly enthusiastic crowds, games, tickets being scalped above ticket price for these games. That's a positive. That's a positive for the city. It's a positive in every way for the sport, for the city, for the teams, and everything else. And they'll do it again in two weeks, and the Yanks will look for some revenge. And that'll make it fun. And I hope the ground pitches in one of those games because that'd make it even more fun. 
Your emails when we come back. You're listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Now remember, you can get the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. And for all your gambling needs, it's Bet Rivers in New York, it's Play Sugar House in New Jersey and Connecticut. And for the podcast, just send them to Mike Francesa podcast at gmail.com. Send your emails there and we'll get to as many as we can. We start with Sean today uh, with college football right around the corner. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, do you think Greg Shano can turn it around at Rutgers like he did the first time? Um, yes. I think he's a capable coach. He's a solid recruiter. It starts with recruiting. You have to keep the best players in the Northeast and in New Jersey, particularly at home. You can't let them leak out to all the different schools that come in and pick on and pick on the bones of New Jersey. And it's about getting a team to a level again where they are competitive in all but the upper, upper echelon games. That's the first step. Be a threat to the big teams. Be a threat to the big, big monsters on the schedule. But be able to beat the couple of soft spots you put easily and be able to play and win against everybody but the upper, upper echelon teams that'll dot the schedule. Do I think he will improve the team? I think he already has. I think he will, yes. This is from Matt. I watch a lot of sports where sponsors advertise on the uniform, so I know it's coming. Will the Yankees resist or allow sponsorship on the home pinstripes? I hope. I hope the Yankees, who are not in need of revenue, but entities such as the Yankees, or the great names in sports, Dallas Cowboys, uh, Notre Dame. You know what? They're all greedy. They're greedy to a fault. They want every dollar they can get. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankee uniform, which should be sacrosanct, it should be without, it should be in a place where nobody can touch it and nobody can put anything on it. Let's hope the Yankees... I know their fans feel that way. Let's hope the Yankees feel that way. But when it comes to making a buck, you know what? The dollar usually rules. Ignatius says, uh, why didn't Ray Hanley ever get another job at any level after he was fired from the Giants? Listen, it's a long time ago. There's no reason to air, you know, past things. Let's just say his actions made it tough for him to go anywhere in the league. And it wasn't going to happen for him. Matt and Hillsdale. Who is the most important player for the Yankees coming down the stretch of the season? In other words, who can the Yankees least afford to lose? Uh, well, it's it obviously you have one player 
who is leading the team in basically everything. Okay? And he is very important to everything they do. He is a very important cog. But I would say the guy right now that they have to keep healthy and keep performing at the same level is Holmes. The Yankees, you know, Chapman does not look good. He came in the other night and threw okay. He wasn't getting anywhere near his past numbers. He was in the 90s. He was 95, 96. But he did at least get some outs. He has been dreadful. They lose King. Holmes is critical to the Yankees' success. Mike in Washington, of all the contentious coach-GM relationships in New York, which one was the worst and which one wasn't as bad as the media made it out to be? There were a lot of bad ones. Uh, the one that wasn't as bad as everyone made it out to be was Young and Parcells. They did get in each other's way at times. They did have a battle of egos at times. But they both had the same philosophy about what wins in football. They believed in size and power, and that size and power was imperative to winning in football. And they were able to work cooperatively when they needed to. Now, I'm not telling you there weren't times when Bill made an end run on George to get a player or get something he wanted. He did. And I'm sure there were times when George did some things. So, uh, but I think that was such a successful relationship that I don't think it was nearly as bad. There's been a lot of bad ones. There's been a, 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 we could name, we could list a whole bunch. But as far as one that's not as bad as probably was depicted, I would go with that one. Uh, Chris says, you dog, JJ, uh, Bill Simmons, all have podcasts that I listen to regularly. Is sports talk dying? Can anything be done to fix it? Um, sports talk on the radio in the format that Dog and I helped make popular. Um, Now you have a lot of different challenges to that. Social media and the use of the phone for information is such a widespread thing, especially with young people. I mean, I have two teenage boys who are sports fans. They're 15 and 17. And they get everything off their phone. As a matter of fact, they usually send me a notice about what's going on before I ever get the news now. They usually have already gotten it from their sources on where they get stuff from on the on the phone in all different places that they use, the things I don't even know about. 
And, you know, they'll be the first to say, oh, Julio Jones, I, I bring him up because he was Jack's favorite player all these years. Uh, and Jack didn't like that he went to Tampa because Jack has always been a Falcon fan because of Julio Jones. Jack has never forgiven Tom Brady for making that comeback that time in the Super Bowl because, you know, it broke his heart with the Falcons and Julio Jones. But Jack is always, Jack used to wear 11 just because of Julio Jones. Um, he doesn't wear 11 as a tight end. He wears 88, but he uh, used to wear 11 a lot. He loved Julio Jones. He didn't like that Julio Jones went to the Bucks the other day as an example. But they usually have this stuff so fast now. So you're competing with that. And now the podcast world is so much a factor and so there in terms of being expansive and just being uh, enormously available to so many listeners that it really has changed things dramatically. And uh, from a business standpoint, I'm still not sure how the podcast general over-the-air radio will work and how that challenge to the to radio that way, how the podcast will hurt it, hamper it, not hamper it as much as we think. I don't know. I, I still am waiting to see how that business model unfolds. I've been looking at that for a good amount of years now, and I still don't have the answer. I have, And this is Walter. He's the last email. Have you caught any of the Jeter documentary? I have not. I will watch it, but I will probably watch it in its entirety when it's available all at once. And then I want to be able to watch it when I want. So if I want to watch a bunch of it at one time, I can do that. And if I want to watch it a piece here, a piece there, I can do that. So once it's all over, it's available forever. So, and it's available in any part that I want in terms of me being in charge now of how I can look at it. So that makes it a lot easier. So I will, I will uh, absolutely, uh, you know, watch it at some point, but I have not watched it yet. Send your emails to Mike Francesa Podcast at uh, gmail.com. You can send them to the uh, streaming content producer whose name you might remember was Brian Monzo. So that's his name. He also produces all, all these podcasts for me. So um, you can send them to Mons and he sends them to me. He gets them, collects them, and sends them to me. So keep them coming. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.